And welcome back. George Norrie with you. Jonathan Goldman with us. Jonathan, before we get into calls, tell us about the World Healing Day. So, it's uh, George, it's uh, February 14th. It's World Sound Healing Day. It's the 22nd annual World Sound Healing Day, and it's a day when literally tens of thousands of people throughout the planet literally either make a sound or they experience a sound with an open heart, and they send a, if you like, sonic valentine to what I call the Gaia Matrix, or Mother Earth. And the idea is that if people with consciousness basically can encode it, and there's a, there's a phenomenon called heartbrain coherence, where when your heart and your brain are in synchrony together in coherence, the electromagnetic field that we produce is anywhere from 50 to 500 to some people say 5,000 times greater than normal. Then when we add the power of sound, uh, it becomes even greater. This is one of the reasons why the different prayers and the different traditions are vocalized, or whispered, chanted, spoken, or sung. It's because prayer literally amplifies the power of our meditations, and the, the voice does this. So we're able to interface with what we call the Gaia Matrix. It's also been called the noosphere, or the field of consciousness of our planet. And a lot of people who are listening, I know, are aware of the fact that the Earth is a living, thriving being. And through working with our sound, our intentionalized sound, we can literally help shift the vibratory field of the planet to one perhaps of a little less uh, anger and a little bit more of kindness and compassion. It's uh, literally been, um, there are a couple of different uh, places, such as the Global Consciousness Project, another one called the uh, Global Coherence Initiative. Mm -hmm. Global Consciousness Project is out of Princeton, and they literally are able to uh, measure events of high compassion. And they find that it literally, when events of high compassion have occurred... Like 9-11. Like 9-11 or whatnot, that there's literally a reduction of crime and violence in the areas. And, you know, what a thought if somehow we could literally take some of the emotional toxicity that is currently resonating, take it out of the planet, and maybe change the, uh, the scream of war to the cry of love, and we can make a difference. Jonathan, the trumpet seems to be pretty prevalent in the Bible. Is there a reason for that? Does that sound have anything to do with anything? <laughs> Joshua and the walls of Jericho? <laughs> and down uh, came the walls. Well, you know, you know, obviously, and the people gave a great shout in that one. What happens, they go around uh, blowing trumpets and hitting uh, drums, and then they give a great shout. And if they could have figured out the, if they could have figured out the actual frequency bandwidth of the whatever mortar or whatever the walls were created, they could have potentially caused it to loosen and, uh, like an earthquake, crumble. How important is consciousness to this whole thing? I think it's everything, George. I think it's everything. I think consciousness, we're going to be finding out more and more that consciousness is the be-all and end-all of uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think that the more conscious we become, the greater our ability to manifest and create positive shift and change. So that um, with a, an event like World Sound Healing Day, if people have a positive, high consciousness where they're really 
in a, a, a state where they're attuned to, I don't want to say the divine, but to higher forces, higher levels of being, whether they do meditation or just deep breathing or whatnot, they have a much more powerful field than somebody who's uh, become filled with fear and anger, which is why I think it's so important that we begin to use sound to literally release stress. When that happens, it's good for our body, it's good for our self, it's good for our friends, and it's good for our planet. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Galadria in the state of Washington, west of the Rockies. Hi, Galadria. Hi, George. Hi, Jonathan. I'm so excited to be able to speak with you. I wanted to thank Jonathan because many years ago I had a very extensive surgery and was in intensive care for five days. And I listened to his CD, your CD, Jonathan, with Greg Braden, The Divine Name. The oh, nurses yes. were wonderful. They kept, they kept changing my batteries. They, they kept me going, and I believe that was a huge help in my healing. So gratitude and thanks to you. Uh, what a what a blessed story! Thank you. That's a very very powerful recording. So, uh, kudos to selecting that one. That's that that that's one of my favorites. Thank you, Jonathan. What does the sound do to the cellular level as opposed to the brain? Well, this is a a huge topic that I don't. I mean, I can just speculate that uh, on one level, uh, it may be possible that. Um, the, our caller before talked about the divine name, and that particularly is a very, very interesting recording that um, a number of people, including guests of yours, uh, that you've been, you know, Greg Braden and J.J. Hertock, both believe yeah. that uh, that particular sound, which is uh, said to be an ancient um, divine name of. Um, of God has an ability of affecting our literally our DNA, and I, you know I, I suppose that on one level and this gets back again to the immune system. It gets back to stress and all that stuff. When we are in a state of relaxation, then we can really create repair of our nervous system, of all sorts of different things. So it may be something as simple as listening to music that sort of just carries us away, and. Uh, you know, that's that. Uh, specifically, I've seen some very, very interesting things, including George, a, a friend of mine who's a scientist, uh, uh, John Stuart Reed over in England, has shown that uh, certain music, some of my stuff and some other things, literally has the ability, he worked with blood cells, and he had red blood cells, and he found that when the blood cells were exposed to certain, certain pieces of music, that unbelievably, the red blood cells, which should have after a while died, because that just happens. They weren't inside a person, they were outside the person, but they became rejuvenated and revived, which is like uh, an unbelievable thing. So we have not researched the power of what, what is really going on as deeply as we can, but I believe really, really powerful and profound things. Just real quick, when we use our voice and we do something like a hum, mm, or just a sound, you get a number of different phenomena, including you get increased oxygen in your cells, you get lowered blood pressure and heart rate. 
you get the release of melatonin, which is great for enhancing sleep and also has been used for um, shrinkage of tumors. You get the uh, reduced levels of stress-related hormones, so less cortisol, and you get the uh, increased levels of nitric oxide, which is a very, very important molecule in terms of the promotion of healing. It's a vasodilator, which means that it widens blood cells, allowing more oxygen to flow, and it also enhances neuroplasticity, building and repairing our nervous system. Just a few of the things. I could go on and on, but I don't want to get too technical. But it's amazing what goes on that we know about. Are you familiar with the work of the late uh, Basoro Emoto? Oh, you betcha. Yes, indeed. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, he... Uh, took uh, pictures uh, d- using a dark field microscope. He photographed water, and uh, he photographed water that had been exposed to either different, if you like, emotions or thoughts or even just words on a paper. Or good and music. I, or good music. And he did. Uh, uh, he used some of my music and found some extraordinary things, uh, things with it. So, yes, his work is just brilliant and uh once again, we're finding more and more about the power of music, the power of sound, to really, really create powerful shifts and changes in our vibratory field, uh, not only the physical body, but the chakras, as they say. And even, you know, if you like, one of the things I'm very, very interested in is how intentional sound can be quantum in nature and literally cause portals of uh interdimensionality to occur so that people can travel into those portals and travel on them. Well, what Emoto also did, what I found fascinating, was it wasn't just the good music that showed the good water structure. <laughs> it, was the, it was the loud, harsh music that showed the water structure discombobulated. One of my favorite, uh, yes, it looks like mud, if you like. Uh, Mush, yeah. Right, right, you know, the... Uh, you know, the, the the healthy water, the positive vibrations, the positive uh, uh, imagery, it looks like snowflakes. They're just beautiful, all very, very different, wonderful geometric forms. And the stuff that was basically polluted water or with nasty music looked like, looks like mud. And one of the, uh, I really, really like, perhaps the most powerful for me, and this relates again to World Sound Healing Day, is the idea that, he took water from the Fujiwara Dam, which is a polluted dam in oh. Japan, and he photographed it, and it looked like mud. And then he had a Zen priest chant, a Zen Buddhist priest chant something called the Heart Sutra over it for 20 minutes. He rephotographed it, and it looked like a snowflake. And I thought, my goodness gracious, how much of our body is water? How much of our planet is water? And how about if we can use intentionalized sound, which is what chanting a mantra is. A mantra is great sacred sound, you know, prayers, um, mantras, any sort of thing. It'll shift and change, not only the vibration rate, but it literally will shift and change the structure of water. How powerful and important is that? That is great. Let's go to Scott in Costa Mesa, California. Welcome to the show. Hey, Scotty. Good morning, George. Good morning, Jonathan. Hi. Good morning. I have a question and a quick experience I had. Okay. I love our senses, and sound is just so amazing. And the sound you played earlier, I think I heard wind chimes in the background, and I'm 
I'm drawn to the low tones, the low frequencies of big wind chimes, not the high pitch of small ones. And my question is, what does that say about me? And then my quick experience or the quick story of an experience I had is I got to hear twice in my life the most beautiful sound and once was at the very beginning of my life and the other was some 55 years later and that sound I heard was the heartbeat of my mother on her deathbed and there was something so familiar maternal and spiritual about it 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 really makes me cry and I heard it at the beginning of my life and at the end of hers and I just felt so honored to hear it and it gives me peace and I just love that. Wow, that's great. I am beautiful. Georgia, isn't that a lovely story? That's a great I mean, story. That's for one of your books. Yeah, indeed. Well, you know, I mean, the heartbeat is just so important and how beautiful and how wonderful. A lot of people forget that or are unaware that literally our ears literally develop around the third month in utero. So we can hear external uh, voices when we're uh, in utero. And the heartbeat of the mother is one of the major sounds that we hear and we attune with. And obviously, you know, our our caller had this extraordinary experience at the end of the cycle being uh, with his mother's heartbeat. It just really touches me. Thank you so much for that story. That's beautiful. Let's go to first-time caller Ray in California. Hello, Ray. Thanks for calling. Hi. Hi, George. Uh, hi, John. How are you guys? Great. Great. Hey, I have two two questions, and um, I'm, I am a musician, so I understand tones and music, and one of my favorite sounds is a vibraphone. But my, my what my questions are is, um, first of all, what kind of effect does sound or music have on plants? And my second question would be that I had once heard or read something about back in the day when Hitler would have his speeches um, with all of his huge crowds of people when he was giving rally speeches, that the, the Germans, with their technology that they had back then, they would play low frequencies or some sort of sound that was subdued from the human ear, but yet it created an excitement in the rallies. And I was just wondering, John, if you had ever heard of anything about that. Okay, I'd love to address that because uh, it's, it's fascinating because it is a great example about how sound can be used to, I'll say, manipulate consciousness. And here, here's what, what the way that I heard it was that um, it's pretty well known nowadays that our brain has brain waves, there are different bandwidths of brain waves, and that sound affects these brain waves in the very low frequency sounds. Our brain oscillates or vibrates between about one cycle a second and normally around 2025. There's other things called gamma, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But most of those are, need to be created through what are called binaural beats, two different uh, sounds, one in each ear, and the difference between the two sounds creates that low-frequency sound. Well, they didn't have that in, uh, in uh, Germany. But what they did have was these huge speakers that could produce these very low frequencies. So Hitler's speaking and he's ranting, 
and they are putting on these really, really low frequencies that are causing people to feel really, really excited. They're feeling really, really excited. They're feeling really, really excited. And then they stop the frequencies when Hitler gets up there and starts speaking. And it's like, the Fuhrer brings me peace. And it, they got that emotional trigger in using the sound. I'd heard that story, and I think it's probably very true. Here is a quote that is actually real, and it came from Omni magazine. I don't know if you remember this, but it used to be the science magazine. But I oftentimes would ask people, who do you think say, uh, said this? He said, we would not have conquered Germany without the automobile, the airplane, or the loudspeaker. People think that that was made by perhaps Churchill, but no, there was a statement from Hitler because they the they had incredible knowledge about how to use sound to manipulate people's consciousness. They were they were sadly experts at that. Sadly, experts in it. Yes, indeed. Now, getting onto plants, which is a different, more positive subject. Um, I firmly believe that, and you know, and this is a whole, uh, you know, this is a whole evening's entertainment when you start talking about the role of uh, music and uh, uh, plants. But you know, bottom line is that plants. There, there was a fellow by the name of Cleve Baxter. That's right. Was, he had been on our show before he died. Ah, yes. Okay, lovely man. And basically, he was the inventor of the polygraph, or at least one of the major advocates of it. And he would put polygraphs, lie detector things on uh, plants. And he found that uh, basically, in this, he just wanted to see what would happen if he attached polygraphs to uh, his rhododendron or whatnot. And the story goes that he was uh, about to eat lunch and a fly landed on uh, his sandwich and he was about to like possibly try to chase the fly off, and all of a sudden this reading from the rhododendron or whatever all of a sudden spiked, and he realized that there was some sort of feedback occurring with his consciousness, his thoughts, and the plants. So plants do respond to thoughts, to music, and whatnot. I say this um, back when I first began researching uh, music. There was a book by a woman named Dorothy Redelick called Music and Plants, and she was from Denver, and sadly this, um, if you like, this uh, study, which probably was, you know, not as valid as it could have been, it showed that music such as Oh, heavy metal music, music like Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin caused the pl- plants that were exposed to it to wither and die. Jeez, stay with us, John. we got more to talk about in final calls in a moment. And welcome back. George Norrie with our final segment with Jonathan Goldman. And Jonathan, before we go to final calls, you're about to tell us a story of a lady who wrote a book about plants. Yeah, and I just want to thank you because uh, for the spirit of Jimi Hendrix and uh, Led Zeppelin, I have to say that this woman uh, basically with her experiments showed that uh, listening to heavy metal music killed the plants. But I have to tell you, it's just a great example of how our consciousness can affect things such as plants because I'm sure that this woman literally hated that type of music, and therefore when she was doing the experiments with the plants, she projected that hate, and the thought and the plants reacted positively, because I know so many people who have really thriving plants, and they listen to all sorts of heavy metal music. So I just wanted to 
you know, get out of that one. So people did not well, think that Hendrix is one, one of the best good play, good guitar players ever. Oh, he's he's my spirit guy, George. <laughs> really, I love it. Let's go to some calls. Let's go to John in Wisconsin. Go ahead, John. Hello, George. Hello, Jonathan. Hi. I have uh, two comments, please. Foremost, George, on behalf of everybody in the Midwest, I want to thank you for spending the holidays in St. Louis. It's a real testament to your Midwestern roots and honors your family. Equally as important is that when you go to the West Coast, where you are now, uh, George, you're a huge blessing to everybody. Please stay safe and stay healthy. Well, the world you, needs you. you. Jonathan, the last time I heard you on Coast to Coast, I paid attention. I had never heard of healing sounds before, and I was fascinated by your program. Ironically, four years ago, stress and depression caused my blindness. My blindness was totally preventable. So the first year of my blindness was a struggle and frustrating, and I was feeling sorry for myself. Uh, Three years ago, I discovered Coast to Coast, and there's been many guests on Coast to Coast that have helped me with wisdom and and confidence and feeling better. And you're right at the top of the list, Jonathan. And one of the takeaways I'd like everybody to remember tonight from Jonathan's message is that healing sounds relieve stress. Had I had that wisdom four years ago, who knows? Maybe I would still see. The other thing, um, Jonathan, after your show, it connected me back with music again. Um, like George, I enjoy all kinds of music. And I was where you were in 1978. I was part of the classic rock guys, and uh, and um, I, I commend you for realizing there was something else you can contribute in healing sounds with such a positive movement out of that. Well, anyway, shortening the story, I'll end my comments. I, um, I got back to music last year, uh, Jonathan, and um, listened to some of your uh, CDs, and I hadn't gone to a concert in many years. Well, several months ago, I went to see the Doobie Brothers open for the Eagles, and it brought me three hours of healing sounds. Mm. So I just, I just want to encourage everybody to go to Jonathan's website, learn more about his work. He's one of the people in this world that can bring peace and harmony to us. And Jonathan gets my vote for a Nobel Peace Prize. And George, thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Appreciate you being part of the program. I got a friend of mine who's one of the uh, Righteous Brothers, not one of the originals, but he came in later, Mike Marvin. And he loves it. He, the music has changed his life, Jonathan. I um, I had a friend uh, named uh, Jeff Baxter who was in the Doobie Brothers. And I remember uh, in my days in Boston sitting around arguing with him about who was a better guitarist, Eric Clapton or uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and uh, he went on to basically, um, he became a rocket scientist. Billy Gibbons, not bad either, from ZZ Top. Oh, my God, he's great. Anyway, yes, you know. Let's go to Don in Alberta, Canada, International Line. Hey, Donald, go ahead. Hi, George. Hi, Jonathan. Hi. Uh, you know, George, i got to thank you for your platform. And, uh, Jonathan, I have to thank you for uh, for bringing forward sound and and, um, and how it heals. But I've been playing with it uh, before, but I was promoting the Hue. And um, I couldn't believe a difference. Like, I had all this advanced software that would measure body's energy in real time and this and that and all the rest of it. But I, I just couldn't believe something so simple could actually realign all the body's energy. It was just incredible. And the thing is, it it's free, but I don't know how, how to mark. How would you market? <laughs> how would you market something like like this? Like, I try to tell people all the time, but they just forget. Like, up here, it's been, like, minus... 
42, 43 for the last few days. We're having a heat wave now. It's minus 29 Celsius, oh, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> about 20 degrees. But uh, and just the, the amount of stress that it creates for people, it's just incredible. But I was thinking, if how would you get, like I know you have the, the, four, the February 14th um, event coming up, but how would you get people in harmony um Actually, and, and Dr. Emoto, I'm glad you brought him up too. Actually, I had the pleasure of meeting him, and I got his books and autographs and all the rest of it. But how would you coordinate and get people on board for doing something so simple as, as a hum or a hue or whatever it would be to change consciousness and um, relieve the stress of what's going on in the nation? I don't know how to say it. I appreciate it with shows such as this fabulous one from George and trying to do other things, but it's really interesting. Just you, you nailed it on the head in terms of it's free. If you hum or do an ohm or a you or any of these things, you get these incredible, uh, brilliant uh, therapeutic things happening to you, and yet because people aren't buying it, um, they have to like come upon it on their own. I just... A couple of days ago, got an uh, email from somebody who was using the hum. Uh, they had um, irregular heartbeat, and they were able to shift that. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that that would work for everybody, but there's some more miraculous things that can happen. And because they're not, shall we say, pharmacologically oriented, and you don't have to pay for it, they're free, people don't pay as much attention. What do you think of listening to tuning forks, Jonathan? Well, I've got them right here, George, and uh, let's uh, have a listen and see what they uh, sound like. See if I can even get it. Uh... Yep. Now that's soothing, isn't it? That's kind of nice, isn't it? It's soothing. Yeah. I, I, I use all sorts of things. I use tuning forks. I use... Different frequencies can be used yeah. for different things, can't I... they? They can. Here's a another soothing Tibetan bowl. I mean, you know, and the crystal balls are all. I mean, what is wonderful is that people are discovering crystal balls, tuning forks, Tibetan bowls, all these different instruments uh, that are, don't require a PhD in order to play, and yet they really right. help create this really deep, soothing experience. And you don't have to listen to it for a long time. It's not like you have to listen to it for hours and hours at end. No. I mean, I, I think if just a few minutes can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. I mean, as soon as the tuning fork stops tuning, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my wife, every day she gets, she's there, she gets up in the morning, she uses the tuning forks on herself. Do you use the tuning forks that you got, sir? Let's go to Lori in Brighton, Illinois. Uh, hey, Lori, go ahead. Hi, how are you guys? Good. Great. Good. Good. Um, I wanted to, well, I haven't been able to call for a while, so I wanted to give all my condolences to Ian Pennant and his family and all of you. Thank you. Jonathan, that's one of our hosts who passed away. Yeah, so um, I uh, wanted to say, George mentioned earlier about music or sound is in the ear of the beholder. And I just wanted to comment on that about, I live in an apartment with shared walls, okay? And so you can hear, you know, there's no sound barriers between us. And um, a oh, neighbor oh boy. neighbor that I had used to listen to all the awfulest, awfulest, demeaning 
music. I mean, it would be cussing and just I, I, words I can't say. Not on the radio. On the radio. Not on the radio. If you can imagine. So, you know, concerning women and, and just all kinds of stuff, you know, and and it it was just disgusting. And those people, that couple, they weren't not married, but they were living together, a man and a woman, and they uh, they would uh, fairly frequently um, argue, cuss. You could hear, yell. and you could hear that through the walls, couldn't you? Oh yeah, fight. Yes, and I heard the little girl say one night that I don't want you to hurt my mommy. Oh, geez. you know, I heard her say that, and I'm like, I just, uh, you know, but that music that they would listen to. I think it was him actually that that put that music on, but but she was listening to it too. So it was just horrible music, and this is how they live, you know. And they don't care about their neighbors and everyone around them either, you know. That's so, an important thing, Jonathan. Consideration. Like, oh, George, people are so void of consciousness of sound, and I'm going to just suggest real quickly, which is interrelated, as is, as you were talking, ma'am, was the fact that I'm very sound sensitive, and during the summer where I live on uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in mid-afternoon, there are leaf blowers, lawn mowers, and whatnot that are, you know, coming all around, and those things can really affect your nervous system and really so we have to be conscious about this. And I wanted to suggest to you that perhaps if you were uh, really, if you can get some sort of headphones or something to try to block out the sound, it might be helpful. The leaf floors are the worst. Oh, God. <laughs> Especially when they're there at eight in the morning. <laughs> uh, they must serve their purpose, but I'm not quite sure what. Yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. a great sonic weapon. Let's go to Joe in Monterey, California. Hey, Joseph, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call, Joe. Thanks, Joe. How have you been? Okay, I was away for about four weeks. No internet, no radio. Oh, my God, how am I going to live? Different lifestyle, isn't it? Uh, it's, uh, it's a break. And uh, I got to work uh, more spiritually and, uh, and help a friend. I was visiting a friend. Oh, that's good. So uh, we did some work. Um. About the sound current, because you're dealing with the life force itself, it affects the chakras, and all these different chakras have seed sounds or like a harmonic that uh, opens and closes them. When we chant an open sound, like you mentioned uh, two words, two mantras, om and hue, hue is an open sound, and the Sufis meditate or chant hue to soul travel or astral project because they leave through the heart chakra. Om, if you chant Om, is more like an inner sound. It, it brings you inward towards your inner self or soul self. So these are different uh, methods that you could experiment with. Um, these sounds are on different, uh, different levels, different uh, harmonics. So it can go all the way up to extremely high levels of reality. So when we do this work with the, uh, with the sound that you work with, we are energizing those parts of us that will respond and energize it. 
Uh, so that's very important. I love it. I have nothing to uh, say except kudos to you. You've done uh, your work and your homework, and I just wanted to add, in Tibet there's a uh, three mantra system that is a great mantra for purification, which is the Om Ah Hom, which is so it almost combines the three of them, but there are all these different seed sounds that in Shabd Yoga work, and I am a huge advocate of it, so thank you for bringing that in. Do the Sainthists have different kind of music? Do the Sainthists? Oh, Lord, I don't, I don't know from them. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I've never been to a Satanist get-together. I wouldn't yeah. know. but uh, that, 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 That's one that is beyond me. But, you know, and real quick question is, does the intention that we have affect the music? Is it possible that they could be using music that one considers sacred and yet be um, making it profane by their consciousness? This is something I don't even want to explore. Just uh, so I'm, not, I'm clueless. Take the last minute and tell people about the World Sound Healing Day on Valentine's Day. Right. So on the opposite level, we have Healing the Sound, the World with Sound, February fourteenth, twenty twenty-four. World Sound Healing Day. Join the tens of thousands of people who are going to be. Uh, co-participating in this either through listening or preve- or presenting an event, but most of the people just go to the website, and you can find out all about that if you go to the Healing Sounds website. We've got a little banner on the front, and it's really, really important because with our light, our love, and our sound, we can make a difference. We heal the planet, we heal ourselves, we heal ourselves, and we heal the planet. And we've got that linked up for you, Jonathan, at coasttocoastam.com. Thank you again, and keep in touch with us. Jonathan Goldman, he's also on our Beyond Belief television show, so when you go to beyondbelief.com, search for his name, and you can find him. For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDessour, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burles, Tim Benal, George Knapp, and Richard Sherrod. I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.